Remember a couple weeks ago, or I don't know, maybe it was last week, we talked about planting <laughs> in the fall, fall plantings, I think is what we called. And we mentioned how there was a lot of prep work in order to have your fall plants um, succeed. So this week, we thought that we would talk a little bit about something that is the nemesis of that prep work, which is weeds, noxious weeds, invasive weeds, just plants you don't want. Um, And yeah, we're just going to talk about, you know, how you can get ready for, you know, get anything out for potential fall plantings, but also maybe if you're dealing with a weed species, which is very common in a vineyard or home yeah, Area. everywhere. <laughs> Weeds everywhere. are everywhere. <laughs> so I'll be, uh, I'll be answering the questions and maybe asking a few, and Haley will be leading the questions. So with that, weeds. <laughs> I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. So I think first we should probably. Because whenever we talk about weeds, not on the podcast or even on the podcast sometimes, um, you always have to be like, well, that's not really the right word for that situation. So let's just start out with some vocabulary. So what are weeds? Let's talk about invasive versus noxious plants. And then just like, just very general weeds. Yeah. So weeds are the technical um, definition off of a weed is a plant (laughs) in a place where you don't want it. Uh, There's a great book called The Weeds of the West. And so that's a good resource for... We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, a lot of different like weed species, unwanted plant species. There are also terms like you mentioned, invasive, noxious, exotic, It actually depends on region and state. So every state has regulations around unwanted plant species. And in the state of Idaho, I know this because my parents deal with this. You guys have what's called like a weed board. Mm -hmm. And then you actually have stuff called noxious weeds. So in And I believe Washington's the same way. So in certain states, the term noxious weed is actually a legally binding word. Oh. Again, this is not not like everywhere, but it is actually a legal word of this is a weed that we as usually the county or state have regulatory authority over being able to control. So I'll give a quick example. My parents... Hopefully I'm not calling them out. They're working on it and they know. Um, so they have a weed Go called, <laughs> Go <Denise. laughs> called white top. And it is technically a noxious weed under the state of Idaho. And what that means is that the, I think I, I want to call him the weed rider, but that's a water rider. Uh, the weed person. <laughs> I forget their name. They have a technical name, but the person that they just, I mean, I don't want to say they just drive around looking for weeds, but if they see them, if they get reported, um, they 
they come to they basically come to their door and say, hey, you have white top. This is a noxious weed. We have regulatory authority to that you need to be controlling it. So in the state of Washington, another example that a lot of people are like, is tansy ragwort. So we've talked about that. Yeah. And so that's just another one that the counties and the state say this is a noxious regulatory weed. So there's that. That's kind of the extreme level. Well, I guess it's not the extreme. That's the extreme regulatory level. And then there's also just like, hey, this is a plant that I don't want here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of taking over. And there's some species that end up just that are weed species. But again, different states classify weeds differently. It gets into pesticide laws too about oh. spraying weeds. Um, and But you'll have different classes of weeds and that's like the importance of getting rid of them. Right. So I'm just going to keep it really broad. Make sure that if you are dealing with weed species that you understand like what the noxious big player weeds are in your region and go from there. So I know that, you know, in my region, state of Oregon, state of Washington, Portland metro region, different like watershed councils, all they, they put out really awesome, like little booklets of, you know, Hey, these are, these are the, the top weed species. And then we also have these things called CWMAs, cooperative weed management areas. And they're basically local people, state, city, nonprofit, um, mainly like state, city type people that are um, conservation districts, so water conservation districts that get together and kind of say, hey, these are the weeds that are happening and these are the scientific stuff that we can do for it. And they just kind of like have a pulse on the weeds. And then um, so they're oftentimes, if you have one of them in the region, they're a good resource. Again, they're very technically minded usually, yeah. but that's not bad. No. Um, and then the other thing that in terms of like community science, general public, um, even landowners, you know, vineyardists to know about is in our neck of the words, we call it EDRR, early detection, rapid response. I think everybody has their cute little thing about it, but essentially it's those, you know, I said like, oh, these are the worst, but really not. The worst are really, I think, the EDRR species. And I'll go outside the plant realm and talk about what I think everyone knows about, the killer hornet, the murder hornet. And so it's that same concept. You didn't think I was going there. It's that same concept of here is a new invasive species or non-native species that is taking over and is very aggressive and we are finding it and we want to know where it is and stop it before it becomes the next thing that we cannot control. And it's just like very prevalent. Yeah. So um, I will also say that within the industry, we're having a lot of discussions about the we'll say equity of the word choices that we're using <laughs> um, to keep it simple. Uh, Cause I think some people, especially when we're talking to the general public get, you know, 
offended or just it kind of rubs the wrong way using certain words choices for describing plants. I think some people understand and there is hard because there's things like noxious weeds that is a like regulatory thing. So just know that I'm working on that and there's this bigger discussion and I'm probably going to use them interchangeably, but that's why I'm also just trying to say like unwanted weeds. But um, ah, Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> unwanted plants. <laughs> but uh, I think that there's just some long-standing discussions and uses of words that make it problematic for making overall changes to the yeah. system, but that doesn't mean we can't try. Oh. <laughs> True that. It's always good to try. <laughs> yeah. So there's a long-winded answer. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about specific things that we have problems with and and specific um like uh options for removing those unwanted plants. But first, I wanted to ask, because this brought up a question that this little bit of talking about kind of the regulation and stuff. So I have a weed book for our region, which has helped me identify a couple things on our property and be like, oh, well, that's a bummer because that is in our book. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess we should work on removing it. Um, but I noticed that a lot of the things in the book are um, in, in our book for our region, which is, I think, central, south, south central Idaho, maybe. Um, okay. And it might actually, I think our, the book that we have is just Idaho in general. And it tells you where the, and regionally where mm-hmm. the weeds are, uh, sorry, the unwanted plants are problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed a ton of them are kind of classified as issues, be, not because they're invasive, but because they're poisonous to livestock. So yeah. can you just touch on that really fast? Yeah. So that's weeds of the West is really kind of guaranteed, you know, that way too. And so that's where it gets into that definition of a weed as an unwanted plant. And so who made that book? And so some of them are very heavily driven by pasture systems and what species are not good forage for animals. So I know that I've even looked through weeds of the West and I'm like, really? What? Because I don't, uh, don't quote me on this, but I'm (laughs) pretty sure like some or, okay, I don't know if it's in Weeds in the West. I've seen it in some weed books or mm-hmm. like unwanted plant, control these plant books. And like lupin will be in there. That is oh. really toxic to horse. And But you're like, uh, in this region, it's native. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, it's a really cool native plant. So again, that's just knowing that oh, this is because it's an unwanted plant and it's uh, not, it's a weed in the pasture system because if you're trying to get a good mixed pasture for your livestock, that is definitely an unwanted plant. Got it. Okay, that makes a so, little, that puts it a little bit more into perspective. Yeah, so again, I would, if you're just purely like, I don't want to get in trouble for having a naughty plant on my property, <laughs> I would... <laughs> I would I would spoken go like to... a true Oregonian <laughs> or I don't I don't yeah. know what that means <laughs> um I you know I don't want this I probably got that from your brother um anyways uh 
you just railed me. What was I saying? <laughs> if you don't want to have a naughty, get in trouble for having a naughty plant on your property. Oh, that's where you want to <laughs> just go to your state um, department of ag and follow their regulations. And again, in some states that trickles down to the county regulating it and knowing like these are the things that based on, again, typically they have class systems that Every state's different, so I'm not going to speak specifically to it, but it's usually in some sort of tiered system of like, these are the worst that we're going to really try to get rid of, and these are the ones that are more optional, not native, (laughs) but have become prevalent everywhere, i.e., or e.g., reed canary grass. (laughs) find weed (laughs) yeah exactly everywhere yeah somebody was just telling me they planted morning glory and i in their garden and i was like what is wrong with you (laughs) and they were like well it's a beautiful plant i was like it's horrible (laughs) but yeah like i don't know how goat weed or goat head is classified but i do think it's one of the bigger ones um also i on that note there's a lot of really cool um fun events that are happening now. Boise every year puts on a... The Goathead Fest. Yeah, which is like a bicycle festival because, you know, anyone that knows what Goathead or Puncture Vine is, uh, it is a nemesis to your bike tires. And that's what I heard. That was like the first weed species I knew because I'd ride my bike out the driveway and instantly get flat. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, so they have a really fun marketing campaign about like getting rid of it. And so I think there's been some creative things for for dealing with some weed species Just regionally. Like, yeah. I don't think we ever did one together, but you invited me a couple of times when I lived in Portland to the Ivy Poles. Oh, yeah. 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 They have some Ivy of those. Pole parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So same idea. I'm cool. allergic to Ivy. Oh. <laughs> you're allergic to lots of things okay <laughs> lots of plants but like you work with plants so that's what's <laughs> okay so let's <laughs> talk a little bit more about um let's start with the st- stuff that I'm seeing that we have a problem with in the mm-hmm. vineyard and then we can talk maybe a little bit about what you see kind of regionally and then maybe we'll get into like options for removing or killing is that too strong of a word (laughs) uh those different unwanted plants so (laughs) the biggest one we have uh is cheatgrass in our vineyard Uh, but I don't think it's um are there different kinds of cheatgrasses oh that I don't know Um, I feel like it's not like the kind that I feel like is as bad as as uh it's a poa. Um, anyway, oh, our dogs yeah. don't have problems with it. Oh, so I think it's a different type of cheatgrass or or something. Yeah. Anyway, so cheatgrass. Um, I think we'll we'll talk about some of these just for fun. Um, but just you know, I know that not everyone has these in their region, but it's just you can kind of think about it for different ways to manage different like maybe grass species right so cheatgrass is originally from i believe like the turkey region it Ooh. got brought over as part of kind of like in 
feed, like it was just kind of like the weed that got part of the feed. The thing that I learned when I became a professional person and not just a child a running professional around. weed hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cheatgrass is propagated. The seeds are propagated by fire. Um, oh. And so in your region, I actually went to a really a conference with some really cool research around sagebrush and trying to propagate sagebrush. And there was some researchers out of Boise State University that were looking at 84, the main highway that goes through southern Idaho, and how cheatgrass populations were just like taking over out there and control yeah and pushing out the sagebrush populations and that was because of the amount of like just roadside fires that continually happen and cheatgrass helps continual like propagate that because of their seed their yeah, seeds need fire to propagate and so that's been a really big issue in sagebrush communities because sagebrush uh should not burn I think their fire return interval is something like 70 to 100 years meaning like how often they really should burn and then they are burning every five to ten years in areas around there because of cheatgrass and I will say cheatgrass is a reason some is one of many reasons that sometimes when I'm removing I'm like trying to make what penance for all those years of burning cheatgrass and learning that I was just propagating <laughs> cheatgrass on my parents' property. And now I'm like, oh my word, I need to make up for all the cheatgrass that I helped grow in the world. But um, there is some stuff I have heard about, like being able to burn it or control it at like early times in its season. So if this, before if there's seeds, mm-hmm, if there's um, for certain people, depending on the weed species you're dealing with, one thing to think about is the timing that you control it. And so that's with a lot of grass species, you can use things like grazing or burning um, to actually control uh, a weed species by keeping it low at a certain time before it goes to flowering stage. And so that's oftentimes with a lot of species, you're trying to like hit a certain timing of the species. So so we don't have too much um, in, in way of goat heads. Um, although I've seen a couple of plants and I'm like, oh, is that? Meh? No, maybe it's like a relative. Mm-hmm. But we do have cocklebers. I don't know cocklebers. Um, I'm imagining that it's like a viney like thing with like kind of a big seed pod that has pokies. It's not so viney, but yeah, that's it's a seed pod. I don't know. It's about the size of a... Uh, I'm trying to think of like bigger than a quarter. I don't know, like a half dollar. Um, and it's not such a huge problem for us. Like we can step on them. They get stuck to your shoes sometimes, but it's not a huge deal. Usually they don't get stuck to your shoes. Um, but the dogs, like our dogs don't like being out in the vineyard because they'll get the cockleburs stuck in their paws and they're, they're so big that it's kind of painful. Um, and we did not have a problem with them until we did construction. So um, that's, I was, yeah, I'm not shocked. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing with a lot. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know about cucklebirds, but I'll just speak to your construction. So yes. oftentimes what is problematic with weed species is that they are early like jumper ins of like if you do any sort of disturbance and so that's the importance of knowing that hey I'm doing some sort of disturbance and then you got to reseed in or get that planting in to try to like you know compete with anything else because they are good at just hey disturbed area come in you know and go crazy so you think about like Oh, blackberry, usually eroded, <laughs> disturbed area, or, you know, a lot of different um, grasses, species, and different things that'll just come in, establish quickly, go crazy, and then nothing else can compete with them. So, um, I mean, it's a little too late now, but we can talk about like, you know, maybe some solarization or, you know, that's yeah. where you're just gonna, you're trying to now retroactively go back and say, I'm going Removed. to somehow remove you in whatever way makes sense for that species and then make sure that you're planting in something so that it doesn't just recolonize. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, so we, especially with our cheatgrass, we had a consultation with the Idaho plant mm. doctor and she was like, oh. okay, because we, you guys have this, you it's really good at pushing other things out. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to plant very specific things to try to compete with the cheatgrass. And it's yeah. not necessarily what you, <laughs> like, I think pinstamen was one of the things. She was mm. like, pinstamen, if you can get it established, we'll, we'll start to compete with cheatgrass. Mm. But like a lot of stuff, the cheatgrass just takes yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, you're unfortunately always playing that game with it. And it's just, how to keep them at bay and not um, cheatgrass is one of those, like I mentioned, reed canary grass. It's not going away. You're never going to eradicate it. So it's about trying to manage it and keep it at lowest enough numbers and keeping something else in to compete with it. So again, with your EDRR species, you want those out. Yeah. So I think, uh, the next one on our list is a uh, EDRR. <laughs> it made you scream earlier. My dad thinks that he's seen Medusa head in our vineyard. I don't. know. It might be an EDRR. Now I'm now I'm questioning myself. Uh, <laughs> if it's not an ED, it's it. It's, it's definitely, right up there. <laughs> it's definitely typically on the the top of the list and. That's actually one that, so I volunteer with the Nature Conservancy as a crew leader. Um, Well, not now, it's COVID. I would love (laughs) to come back. Um, But I, I like it because I get to go out to several of their sites. And one of their sites that they have is Zumwalt Prairies, which is in the northeast corner of Oregon. And it's a beautiful prairie system, uh, home of the... Um, Nez Perce tribe and the like the Palouse rolling hills are kind of just north of that and it was actually has a really fun history it's Joseph Enterprise there anyways don't need to get into it too much but if you ever find yourself in that region of the world check it out it's gorgeous it's like a ton of ranching land and 
we would go out there and just walk around because they had a couple of small patches that they wanted to get out that EDRR approach of like, hey, we know they're here. We got to like get them out. Um, and I do believe that one you can just like pull it out like and bag it. Like that one's yeah. important to bag. Um, so some other species, but yeah, I was like, <laughs> before the call, before we were recording, I had some pretty good reactions when Haley I'm told me she hopeful. wanted to ask about Medusa. <laughs> I'm so hopeful that Ukiah can pull that, just put it <laughs> like a sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry, people, as you might have to hear, listen to my speech. <laughs> okay, so the next two are the, like, uh, not the worst things to be dealing with, but not great. And, um, that's thistle. We have a couple, I think that we have star and scotch thistle, but, um, yeah. I'd have to look, um, I know that the thistle we have, we don't want. <laughs> and we yeah, also star have thistles really bad. And it's one of those that gets like the, um, it kind of is in that there's other reasons to it, but one of the main reasons it got put on the list is because it was again, part of the weed, uh, or sorry, the hay, bring in feed mm -hmm. scenario and it's really bad for like horses and livestock and right. stuff. So, um, but that's one that I'm not exactly sure it's exact listing, but I think it's considered a noxious weed. Yeah, so. I think you're right. And then we also have bindweed and I know that, so the thing that about these two that is similar, mm -hmm. um, that we've like, one of the reasons we're having issues controlling it and where it's a constant management thing and not, not yeah. necessarily like a, oh, we'll just like go out this year and take care of it is they spread by rhizome as mm -hmm. well as seed. So as soon yeah. as we're like, oh, we don't have a problem because we got everything, everything, like all of the thistle in that part of the vineyard is dead. Then yeah. we realize the, like they already, they went to seed two years ago because I think the yeah. thistle is a two-year cycle. And yeah. then the next year we actually have thistle again. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. so if you're trying to manage it with like, oftentimes it's rhizomes, that's where uh, using some sort of chemical is sometimes the only way to really knock it down. I think of, um, we have knotweed over here, which creates these big mat root mats and they're Ooh. along um, streams and then they'll actually just like break off the whole thing and Oof. honestly the only way to really deal with those is through a very targeted chemical application yeah so again if you can just get on the cycles and then put other things in and just know like yeah it's slightly a lost cause I'm never I'm, it's always going to be here but I'm trying to like put things in to compete with it right. I think that's a good method the other thing that, I mean, unless you're one of those ranching owners in mm -hmm. the Palouse, Joseph, Enterprise, like all that area, and yeah. you have thousands and thousands of acres, um, unless you're one of those guys, you have to really be conscious of the fact that you have neighbors. And like, mm -hmm. so no matter how good we are at removing all of this thistle and bindweed and other yeah. things, then I look across the street and I'm like, oh, look, they've got a bindweed yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily right across the street, but, you know, within a mile yeah. or two, it's it's going to be a problem on your site or maybe not a problem, but a management yeah. issue. That's why a lot of places have really moved towards regional control of yeah. species and really trying to get people on, on board because you're completely right. I mean, 
I know I'm just sitting here ticking through my head and I don't want to call people out, but of people that I know that it's like they're doing it, but the neighbor is not doing dealing with the weed species correctly. And so it's just, they know like it's forever going to be an issue because, you know, you just got to manage, manage people too. And so, um, (laughs) yes. And you want to be a good neighbor. Like, like you don't want (laughs) to, don't, don't, (laughs) I mean, you could definitely say like, Hey, I'm having a problem with this, this unwanted plant. Like, are you, do you guys have it on your property? Are you thinking about dealing with it? And that's a better way to deal with it than calling your local weed authority and reporting someone. Yeah. Um, and, and I think another good approach that I often tell people about is certain resources. I mean, different people have different ways that they react to things, but for some people it's like, Hey, I just had my local soil and water conservation district come out and spray my tansy on my property. And maybe in this case, it was really awesome because it was a free service that they provided and really helped me out. And uh, I just thought I'd let you know about it. And you know, just kind of come at it from this was really awesome right. for me. And it's a cool resource that I didn't know about. And I just want to tell people about it and then kind of plant that seed, <laughs> so to say, for <laughs> a good your seed. neighbor. A good seed. <laughs> yeah. So, the, I mean, that's one method. And I know some people just end up, you know, calling <laughs> and reporting people. So yeah. I don't know that that's always, but, you know, in some cases that's where people have to go. So, yeah. Um, Hopefully I mean, it's not not the only option you have. Correct. Yeah. And I think, you know, you need to think about also as you're managing your weed species, like if you're spraying and stuff, like be a good neighbor too, in terms of saying like, I'm not going to have drift come over. Like one, you yeah. shouldn't, you should be spraying in a way that is proper for that. But um, the other thing is if there's other creative ways, like, you know, tool share, um, say, hey, I'm going to be out doing this and um, maybe it's spraying or, hey, I got this cool new tool and I'm going to be out doing my property like for cost effectiveness, like we could make do your property as well. And right. so um, that's oftentimes a lot of people will do that because if they're either renting some sort of equipment to deal with it or they're spraying, oftentimes getting, you know, being able to do a larger portion, like buy in a bigger bulk or, you know, right. hey, I'm going to have this. I don't, I don't know, like, <laughs> and a lot of weed species, you knew this, but for some reason, I'm just thinking, I'm going to have a backhoe for a day. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to have this, or I just got a weed wrench that helps me pull out, you know, scotch broom and like, let me know if you ever want to borrow it and like, just, you know, like everything, just kind of share the resources, I think is yes. really a good, good thing. Both it knowledge is. resources, as well as like tactical tool type resources. Yeah. Is there any other weeds in your region or kind of the Northwest in general that you wanted to touch on? Um, Kind of what we kind I, of went back and I've forth. Talked to, I talked about, yeah, a lot about yeah. them. I think um, looking, what I really like is we have some invasive uh 
weed councils, invasive weed species councils. I'm messing something up there. Um, (laughs) And they have really cool citizen community science programs for early detection, rapid response. And one, that's just a good resource Two, You can actually use things like particular apps like iNaturalist or other types of some actually there's um, some really cool apps for regions. Like I think I have a Weeds of the West app that, you know, I can look up different weeds and then some different um, weed councils have like apps that they've kind of designed and do trainings for being able to, if you want to like really get into it and like go out with people and like look for weed species or report weed species. Um, that's a, it's a cool thing or just knowing the latest on, you know, what's out there. Um, yeah, that is, I don't know. I get really excited about that kind <laughs> of stuff. Uh, there's some cool, our local CWMA, again, that's Cooperative Read Management Area. We have a, a four-county one that's kind of in the greater Portland area. It includes Clark County, Washington County, Multnomah County, which is where Portland is, and uh, Clackamas County. That's four, right? Um, so, <laughs> And it goes across two states, um, as well as, I think, uh, the one next to us is there's actually one down the gorge, which is really fun because it kind of goes on both sides of the oh, yeah. Columbia Gorge. And they have some conferences for professionals as well as just really great resources on their websites. Um, so I like, yeah, I like to go to them to know kind of what what are you in our very specific region really looking at targeting like and what what new species are coming up as well as hey what are the common problematic species and so I think starting really locally is is a great way and then you can expand out um, more regionally to either your state ODA or sorry that's Oregon Department of Agriculture sorry IDA the (laughs) Department of Agriculture Um, there's another thing called APHIS, which is a federal program looking at, um, that's, you know, bugs as well as plant species. Um, oh gosh, I I always forget what APHID exactly, the something plant health. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Um, which is really bad. I used to work under an APHIS program. Um, (laughs) So I just, that's what I'm saying is like, start locally, go out there from there, find, find those weed lists in your region um, and then tackle what you can, but don't, don't get overwhelmed and know that you're never going to eradicate. I think that some people are like, I'm going to get every single weed on my property. And just remember, you are not, we are (laughs) there with you. (laughs) You don't live in a bubble. (laughs) Exactly. That's, 100% right you don't live in a bubble and that's (laughs) why it's important to work regionally yeah so we covered some ways to remove unwanted plants Um, especially I think you talked a lot about kind of the small scale like pulling is sometimes your best option spot spraying if you need to do go bigger um, maybe paying to have or if you have the ability like spraying um, 
But what are some of the other large scale, like if you are one of those ranchers, like, and you know, you have a problem with Medusa head, um, what are your options? Yeah. Again, I, with every single species, you're going to want to look up what their prescription is because you don't want to invest first and foremost in something that's not going to be correct. Like you don't want to be going out there and spraying your grasses with some broadleaf thing, like, and spending a bunch of money on chemicals when you're not even using the correct chemical. Let's just say that. Or like, (laughs) you don't want to be going out there and just pulling tansy and laying it down when that seed after ripens and like you have to bag that or some things like you were mentioning with rhizomes, like English ivy for one, like you, they have found that you can kind of like clump it up, but essentially English ivy knotweed can have portions of it that break off and, and create a new plant elsewhere. So you want to kind of know that life history before you really like go after it. But I think a lot of the um, things are like spraying and, uh, you know, always, you want to like, you want to do targeted spraying. And I think there's one of the things that's fun with knotweed is there's actually this person that developed this, we call it the knotweed gun. And it's essentially (laughs) like this kind of like a tube of um, higher concentrated pesticide. um, And then it has this needle that you stick into it. And then the needle has some holes in the middle. So you stick it in and then you spray it and it puts a little bit right into the stem. Um, And that one's really cool because knotweed is like I mentioned, along streams typically. And so you can meet your like chemical application limit real fast. And also you don't want chemicals in the waterway. And so that's like a really cool way to just like get it a targeted way in. And again, that's important because they have that large root mass. So you're really wanting to think about that. Um, Sometimes it's just stuff like mowing or grazing at a particular time. And you want to make sure that you get it before this flowering or before particular times um, that could also be pulling it. You know, some species you can kind of do that all the time, like English ivy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, English ivy in our region is kind of cool. There's a forest, I think it's part of Forest Park Conservancy, which is, you know, the big park here in Portland. They actually, there was a group of high school students that ended up doing a scientific publication because they figured out how you could like pull ivy a certain distance, which is like five feet and create like this donut around trees and cut it in a certain way that then the ivy wouldn't just like go back up the tree. And so, yeah, it was really cool because I was at this conference and these like high school kids are getting babies yeah like this inspires me (laughs) that's awesome so i know that's really vague and broad but no it's good it's like the chemical mowing grazing um is there ever a time when when pulling and bagging is not good yeah, I'm sure for certain species, it might just be <laughs> worthless. It. Oh, okay. But it's not like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I yeah. mean, I would say 
the, some of those rhizomerous big species where you are just like getting it out, but then it's like it's not actually impacting. There's a rhizome in there, yeah. Yeah, what's going on it's below the ground. necessarily bad, but it's not necessarily helping you. <laughs> yeah, and Got sometimes it. it's like about with, a, with some species, it's like hitting them over and over again. So you're essentially taking off the part of the plant that photosynthesize. So you're basically yeah. weakening them. And it, with continual like management, you'll get to it. Um, right. And there's, you know, different people have different philosophies because some people are really anti-spraying. Some people, as I like to say, use the bomb approach where you just come in and you just like... It's like, boom, atomic bomb went off and you're spraying it, you're mowing it, you're maybe having to dig <laughs> things out. Like I've heard of like with reed canary grass where people literally go down and dig it out and remove it and then refill it in, which is like so much money and intensive, but <laughs> that's what some people choose to do. And then with that, it's really important to think about your planting so you don't just have that reestablishment. But it's really about, you know, hey, maybe I can do something that's really extreme, but it sets it back versus spending 15 years slowly just, pulling do, 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 do. it and it does it really like impact it. And, right. you know, again, I am not saying that either of these methods are right or wrong. They're just different methods and approaches based on, you know, your philosophy, your goals at your site. And you your know, budget. Whatever. Again, your budget. <laughs> exactly. So um, I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about solarization because that's a huge tool. Yeah. Um, so go for I guess it. I, I forgot. I forgot to bring <laughs> that up as one of the tools. No, so. that's good. Uh, yeah, so solarization, which is essentially putting plastic over an area um, and la allowing the sun to kind of kill off the plants through heat. One of the cool things that I have learned, obviously, if you are just like, I got to use what I have and I have a ton of black plastic, use the black plastic. But people are finding that using clear plastic is actually the best. Um, and this is going to be, typically it's used like in prairie systems or, or, or pasture or some sort of like, you know, thing that you can just lay it out and you're trying to kill a bunch of stuff. And I would say mow it first too, if possible. <laughs> um, you're not going to be doing this. I've never, I mean, try it out. Maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe like you'll learn something new. I've never seen this done with like bushy species. <laughs> this is usually done with like grassy type species, uh, herbaceous species, you know, low we'll grow. Say, smaller, but like, that's really not true. <laughs> necessarily. Right. Um, the plant uh, biomatter might be a lot more. Um, so yeah, typically I would say mow it to get it kind of down and manageable and then put your plastic over and you're going to be having it for months, ideally, um, in the summertime. And the reason I mentioned the clear plastic over black plastic is because it still allows for like UV lights to get in. And so the plant still tries to, like the black plastic, the plants just like, oh, there's no light. Like, so they just kind of, you know, just stop and whatever. But the 
the other one is getting at that like putting up their resources and then they get too hot and they die. And then they're like, but I'm going to try again. And then they die. And so you're essentially helping pull out the like stuff from the roots. The so latent. it's not just like going dormant down in the roots, right. ready to come back when it's, you know, got the sun and got the new disturbance. So yeah, um, that's a really cool system, but it does take a lot of plastic, but well, I know the thing that farmers you, sometimes have that. <laughs> yes. And the thing that you um, talked with me about, I think it was when we were talking about fall plantings, but was just mm. like, so maybe you start with half a row, a row mm-hmm. uh, in the vineyard that you're like, yeah. hey, we want to remove the cheat grass and we want to mm-hmm. plant whatever yep. it is. And then the next year we roll it to the next row. And so like yeah. there's, you don't have, I love that you are practical in in the approaches that you suggest to us. Cause it's like, you don't have to do it all at once. No. Like you're going to fail if you try to do it all at once. Unless, unless you you're do the like, bomb method. <laughs> but even that, like, it's just, yeah, just, I think that especially if you are having some sort of grass systems or let's say pasture, which is very common in vineyards that exactly just chunk it off and then be ready to plant it with something as soon as you're pulling it off. Right. So, and that, that timing works really well for, you know, putting it out like in the spring, early summer after, you know, it's been raining a lot. Cause you know, you know, maybe don't want to deal with that, but it's okay if it gets <laughs> rained on. Yeah. Um, and then have it out in the summer when a lot of that photosynthesis, you know, a lot of sun exposure is happening um, and, and heat, which is great. And then pull it off for your fall planting. Yes. Well, I feel really bad that uh, when we first started talking about this topic, I was like, really? Or you want to talk about weeds? Because then when we got into it, I got excited and had tons of questions. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Yeah, you were really hesitant about it at first. (laughs) Thank you for... for sticking with it with with me and um thanks also for all the tools that i feel like you've given me in our toolbox mm-hmm. of dealing with uh unwanted plants yeah <laughs> and again just contact your local people because and know your specific plant like the first yeah. idea contact your local people see how to really deal with it don't right. invest time energy into doing something that is might just, not be helpful yeah Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and with that, I feel like uh, we'll the show notes this week are going to be long because there's a ton of resources we can offer and like links that we can give you if you are like, oh, I need to know more about that. Yeah. Um, if you think we missed something that we talked about uh, and it's not in the show notes, send us a message. Yeah. Also, if you uh, if there's other things that you feel like, oh, you guys mentioned something and I want to hear more about that, you can yeah. also email us or direct message us uh, on Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. We are in both of those places whole at Whole Cluster Conversation, I think. <laughs> um, I don't think there's any underscores. And then you can always reach us via email at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. In the next few weeks, we're hoping to talk about some stuff like green wine, how to keep a fermentation happy and healthy, and even um, what to do in the, in the vineyard, uh, prepping it for winter and during the winter season. But as you guys know, we always like to switch up our recordings because the listener inquiries that we get are always extremely interesting. So thanks for writing in. 
We'll talk to you guys next week. Ciao. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.